This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the July edition of One Month to a Better Compliance Program. This month, we're going to focus on One Month to Better Internal Controls. This month's sponsor is Workiva, and first, I'd like to have a word from our sponsor. Thanks, Tom. Workiva delivers a modern internal control solution that connects risk and internal control information across the enterprise. The WS Cloud Platform is collaborative, powerful, and intuitive, and optimizes documentation, testing, approval, and reporting processes. The platform is proven to increase productivity and drive better decision-making and is used by more than 2,800 organizations worldwide for financial reporting and ICFR processes. To learn more, visit www.workiva.com. Over the next month, I'm going to explore several topics related to internal controls. We're going to take a look at what internal controls are and how they relate to a best practices compliance program. I'm going to help you understand how to design an internal controls regime for compliance, and then some of the specific internal controls for the functional disciplines within a corporate compliance program. We're going to take a look at the COSO 2013 framework around internal controls and explain how that integrates into your best practices compliance program. I think it'll be a fascinating uh, month for you. We'll certainly uh, explore the area of internal controls in depth. This podcast, One Month to a Better Compliance Program, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 12, the Board of Directors Oversight as an Internal Control. Many compliance practitioners would not see a board of directors as a compliance internal control, yet I think it can be considered one. In the FCPA guidance in the 10 Hallmarks of an Effective Compliance Program, there are two specific references to the obligations of a board of directors in a best practices compliance program. The first is in Hallmark 1, which states, within a business organization, compliance begins with the board of directors and senior executives setting the proper tone for the rest of the company. The second is found under Hallmark number 3, entitled Oversight, Autonomy, and Resources, which says the chief compliance officer should have direct access to an organization's governing authority, such as the board of directors and committees of the board of directors, i.e. the audit or compliance committee. Further, under the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines, a board must exercise reasonable oversight on the effectiveness of a company's compliance program. The Department of Justice Prosecution Standards posed the following queries. Did the directors exercise independent review of the company's compliance program? And are the directors provided sufficient information to enable them to exercise independent judgment? The DOJ remarks over the years have driven home to me the absolute requirement for board participation in any best practice or even effective compliance program. I believe that a board must not only have a corporate compliance program in place, but must actively oversee that function. Further, if a company's business plan includes a high-risk proposition, there should be additional oversight. In other words, think of there is an affirmative duty to ask tough questions by boards of directors, but it's more than simply of having a compliance program in place. The board must exercise appropriate oversight of the compliance program and indeed the entire compliance function. In other words, the board has to ask hard questions. It has to be documented. It must be fully informed of the company's compliance strategy going forward. Lawyers often speak to and advise boards on their legal obligations and duties. If a board's oversight is part of effective financial controls under Sarbanes-Oxley, that also includes effective compliance controls. Failure to do either may result in something far worse than bad governance. It may lead directly to an FCPA violation or could even form the basis 
of an independent FCPA violation if the government chose to take it in that direction. A company must have a corporate compliance program in place and must also actively oversee that function. Failure to perform these functions may lead to an independent liability of a board of directors for its failures to perform its allotted task in an effective compliance program. Internal controls work together with company policies and procedures and as an interrelated set of compliance mechanisms. There are five internal control concepts around a board or a board's compliance or audit committee overseeing compliance. Number one, risk assessment. Now, we've thoroughly visited on risk assessments and how this forms one of the key components of a best practices compliance program. But it should have board involvement, and it should have board oversight, and the board should be a part of this, and this should be documented as well. So a board should assess the compliance risk associated with the business of the company. Number two, corporate compliance program and code of conduct. A board should have overall governance documents document which will inform the company, its employees, stakeholders, and third parties of the conduct the company expects from these, these entities, whether they be employees, stakeholders, or third parties. If the company is a global or multinational, this document should be translated to the relevant languages for local organizations. Number three, implementing procedures. A board should determine if the company has a written set of procedures in place that instructs employees on how to deal on the details of the compliance program. When was the last time your board of directors made this really simple inquiry, yet an important internal control? Number four, training. There are two levels of board training. The first should be that the board has a general understanding of what compliance is, but more, or, or FCPA compliance is, but it also should understand the role it has in effective compliance program. You as a compliance practitioner may have to bring in an outside expert to put this training on for the board, but the board has to have training on both, and that's an effective internal control. Finally, number five, monitor compliance. A board should independently test, assess, and audit to determine if compliance programs and policies are a living and breathing program and not just a check-the-box exercise or a paper tiger. There have been recent FCPA enforcement actions where the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission discussed the failures of internal controls as a separate basis for FCPA liability. With many of the questions currently raised by the roles of boards of directors in numerous scandals and their failure to act, you might think that this would be an area where the Department of Justice would be ripe and willing to explore. So it could certainly be part of enforcement action for independent board liability. So what are today's three key takeaways? As I've continually noted throughout this series on internal controls, that there may be uh, many internal controls which you had not thought of as compliance internal controls. And I think the board's role in compliance certainly falls into that category. The board has to actively oversee uh, management of the compliance function, but every time the board does something, that can act as an internal control. The key is that you document that internal control and that it be, if their gap is determined, that that gap be remedied. But the board in its function can act as an internal control. Number two. 
there's a five-step process that I outlined for uh, the board or the board's compliance committee. And the board needs to, uh, you as a compliance practitioner need to make sure the board has been involved in all of those. And let's briefly recap. Number one, risk assessment. Two, corporate compliance policy and code of conduct. Number three, implementing procedures for training and in five, monitoring. You as a compliance uh, practitioner should insist that the board have roles in each of those and that can act as separate internal control. Finally, with the SEC in particular's emphasis on internal controls, it could well be that they would take a look at the failure of a board to engage in its role in compliance as a violation of an effective uh, compliance internal control. There could be civil liability for this. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me on day 12 of one month to more effective internal controls, and I hope you join me tomorrow for day 13. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of One Month to Better Internal Controls. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it would help in our rankings. Get the word out about the only one-month podcast series which enables you to design, implement, and enhance a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.